Yeah. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? Welcome back here to Purposely Offside on CFMU Mac Radio 93.3. I think we should start off with a congratulations to the Toronto Raptors, 2019 NBA champions. Guys, did you ever think you'd see the day? Not at all. Not bad. No way, Jose. For the longest time, I thought the Leafs would actually win a cup before the Raptors won a championship. So this is pretty surreal. Big shout out to Donardo for nailing the intro too. How about that one? Eh? Nailed Good it, stuff, buddy. One try, first try. You should start doing over unders. Over unders on how many times I need to uh, reword the intro. So you guys, you guys were at the parade, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. we were there. Shirts stay on or were shirts off? <sighs> shirts stayed on. Tarps, shirts stayed on. Tarps were definitely on there. Really, eh? Absolutely. It was a long. It was a long. Surprisingly, day. just didn't want to get that sunburn. It was a long day, man. I mean, we'll go into it in a little more detail, uh, maybe later on the podcast, but it was an extremely long day of just waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, it was worth it. And I I don't want to complain too much about about a parade because we've been dying. Toronto's been dying for a parade for years. Do you know what I I, um, liken this parade to? Practice. For when the Leafs are good to go. So yeah. This was just a test run. Yeah, okay, you know what? Raps, let's get all the uh, kinks out of the way and let's prep for the actual parade. Yeah. That and means then, something. And you know I'm joking when I say that, but go Leafs, go. It will surpass. Well, let's hope it happens. I, I think so. But it, it, anyway, it was a great day to celebrate uh, basketball in this country. And, um, you know, speaking of basketball in this country, we actually have quite the basketball player uh, in studio today. Uh, she was the 2017 U Sports Women's Basketball Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year in 2017, and also McMaster's all-time leading scorer in women's basketball. We welcome here in the studio, Danielle Boyago. How are you doing, Danielle? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is awesome. What's up? Anytime. Sounds like we uh, actually have a, a Mac legend in the studio it, with us today. Never mind it, with all these legend. accomplishments. Yeah. I was... Uh, like I said, I was at work today, Googling Danielle Boago stats, and I choose you on my fantasy team. It was endless, really. Like it was like first I was overall. Like, Thanks, you know, guys. Like, that's nerf, big. Like I was like, taken aback. Like these are some impressive numbers, some impressive stats, and you know we're gonna get into you know all about well as much as we can get into in a half hour, but all about you know how you got into basketball and uh, your career at McMaster and and maybe what you're doing now. So again, Danielle, thank you for joining us here today. Um, So let's start with, how did you get into basketball? Uh, My older brother, Andrew, as all of you know, played basketball growing up. And uh, as a kid, I always wanted to do what he did. So hockey, I tried skating, wasn't for me, but basketball, I took to it right away. And I kind of uh, got my mom to sign me up after watching him play. And from there, it was uh, history. Now I'm much better of a basketball player than he is, but he doesn't have to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Andrew, I mean, he is, uh, I, I probably could beat him at basketball any time of the week. Very true. Were very you true. beating him by the time you were like five, six years old? Like what's, what age did you finally start beating him consistently one-on-one? Honestly, I think maybe grade seven, eight, like the size factor was a big toll when we were younger. But at that point, I started to develop a, an outside shot and he couldn't guard me after that. Oh, so. yeah. Game over. Game after over. That. So you had the three-point game down. That was my specialty, the three-point game, yeah. 
So was it just house league that you signed up for originally and then eventually moved into rep throughout high school or how'd that work? Yep. So I started uh, house league when I was four years old and then eventually started playing rep uh, in grade two and then have been playing ever since. So it's been a while since four. So 21 years. Did uh, any specific athlete, because I know we, I mean, our age group, uh, we look at Vince Carter and how he inspired basketball in Canada, but did any specific athlete... um, influence or inspire you to play basketball? I actually was a pretty big uh, Vince fan. I had a poster in my room of him hanging up on my wall. Uh, But Steve Nash, got to go with the Canadian. I was a point guard growing up. Uh, When he came to play in Toronto, I'd always get my dad to get me tickets for my birthday. So he still has a big influence on Canada basketball now. But yeah, he was definitely one to watch for me when I was younger. 100% Steve Nash. I mean, and you were, I mean, you were a point guard, right? So yeah, like Steve Nash was that Canadian point guard to look up to. As a Dallas Mavericks fan, I can truly appreciate you saying Steve Nash. That warms my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, like we said, um, the accolades speak for themselves here. Um, You were actually the fourth player to win both the OUA Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year, but the first Marauder to accomplish this feat. So that's, that's, that's very impressive. And, you know, as I... Uh, I've heard about your career um, in university, and the more I, uh, you know, looked up your numbers and looked at like what your coaches have said about you, it's always about how you um, were a complete player. Uh, but obviously, we you had to start off as a rookie. So how would you how would you compare rookie Danielle Boyago to the senior Danielle Boyago in 2017? Uh, coming in as a rookie, I feel like you have one or two things that you're you're good at. I was a pure shooter, um, and I had to learn to score in other ways. I had to learn to be a complete player, like you said. Um, so a lot of emphasis with my coach was put on, okay, you can score, but you need to be able to defend or else we can't play you the full game, right? So for me, it was finding those ways to develop as an athlete, not just as a scorer, but as a complete basketball player. And I think, especially for young girls, that's something that they all want to score and we all want to, you know, hit threes and get those layups and all that. But in order to be a complete player, there has to be some, uh, that, that switch turned in terms of like, I'm going to put the work in on both ends. I think for me, comparing myself in a rookie season to comparing myself in my last season, it's my basketball IQ, my patience, my ability to uh, make reads, my ability to come off a ball screen. Ball screens are a huge part in basketball. You guys see it in the NBA as well. Um, And players that are good at using ball screens are usually good basketball players. So for me, that was one of the best uh, and biggest things that I strove for in my last year. Rumor has it, though, I heard heard that you never – Played good defense, or you're always, you're always chirped for not playing good defense. I actually our assistant our assistant coach came up to me one practice and he goes, uh, Danielle, what's your name start with? And I said D, and he goes, play some. Oh, <laughs> and oh from there goodness. I I took it personally from there, and wow. that's when I kind of was like, okay, I really need to focus on defense. And I think uh, you know, as a scorer, you use defense as okay, this is my break. Like I exert all of my energy on the offensive side of the court. Defense is my break, but you learn quick in university that you can't take breaks anywhere. And I think I really took that to heart and uh, tried to develop those skills a little bit more. 
Did you have the same coaching staff throughout your entire university uh, career here, or did that fluctuate with a head coach, assistant coaches, and stuff like that? I had the same head coach. We had an interim coach. Our coach was on leave for a year, so we had an interim coach for one year, and then um, a couple assistants in and out, but majority of the core was the same, which was nice. It's always good to have that consistency. I was going to say, yeah, that probably means a lot as an athlete having that consistency with your head coach. You can build that relationship over the four years, right? Yeah, definitely. My coach, uh, Teresa Burns, was definitely the the most inspirational person and uh she had my back all the way through it's always nice to know that your coach has that confidence in you it makes it like going uh, on the court so much easier knowing like she has trust in me I, I can kind of do what I want and she'll have faith in me so that was key for me I'm still like taken aback by that constructive criticism that you got funny eh? you got it that, I know that was an epic chirp yeah it well, was really good and I was like wow I wouldn't say chirp though Jordan because I think constructive, constructive criticism, criticism is something everyone needs yeah. But I think the the most important part, part about constructive criticism is being willing to take it. And it sounds like you you might have like been skeptical about it at first, but you you handled it really well. Yeah, and that's what's so key about our university athletes, uh, even coaching now, is just like who can take the criticism and knowing when the right time to give criticism is and then the right time to kind of pump a player up if they need that uh, encouragement. But I always serve myself on taking that criticism and like, hey, what am I going to do with it? So I felt like that was how I kept getting better and better was there a a large emphasis like until you got to university was there ever a a large emphasis uh, put on you for developing a a defensive game or was it until not until uh, you got to McMaster where there it was really stressed stressed it definitely wasn't until I got to McMaster um as you guys know, STM grads, Absolutely. We, uh, yeah. we killed the sport game. So we were always kind of blowing teams out and there wasn't really emphasis on that side of the court. Um, and even in rep too, it was, you know, it's all about scoring. So when I got to Mac and I really had to buckle down on the defensive end, I think that was when I first hit me like, wow, you really need to work hard to be good at both sides of the ball. So why Mac? Why McMaster? Great question. I get this all the time. Uh, Growing up in high school, I was always like, you know what, I want to get out of Hamilton. I've had a great high school experience here, but it's it's time for me to kind of move away and experience another city. And as I was going on my visits and kind of time was winding down, I thought, why am I going to leave when everything that I want in a university is right here? I can play in front of my family and my friends and my hometown and just make those uh, community connections that you wouldn't make overseas or uh, in the States and you wouldn't make elsewhere in Ontario or in Canada. So for me, it's been the best decision I ever made. And I'm so happy I decided to stay home and play for Mac. That's an incredibly mature thought process in grade 11, 12, like when you're trying to decide what, what university you're going to. I mean, at that point, I was just trying to decide what party I was going to go to. And you're already <laughs> yeah. thinking about community development and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So that's pretty impressive. I have some uh, great parents that helped me along the way for sure. Andrew helped me. My older brother helped me with my decision too. He's a Mac grad. My parents are both Mac grads, so it kind of ran in the family. Yeah, you know, we, Brian, you're a Mac grad. Yeah. I'm a Mac grad, so it's it's a great school. I think we can both speak to that. And um, you know, athletics is strong here. You know, for sure. We talk about yeah, you went to St. Thomas More in Hamilton. It's a strong school in terms of athletics, and McMaster is much of the same. Um, What's the most memorable moment of your basketball career? Of my playing career, I think I would say my seniors night, actually. Uh, 
after being away from Mac for a little bit, the wins and the losses, they kind of all blur together. But it's the the people that you meet, having my family in the front row. My Nona, her first basketball game she saw on my seniors night. Um, it kind of puts together everything that I wanted in my university career in one in one night. And obviously we got the win, so it makes it even that much better. But just getting to celebrate that, my career with my teammates, my family, that's definitely my most memorable. And then as an assistant coach, obviously that U Sports Championship this year. Yeah. First year, first championship. It was amazing. That's congratulations on that. I was uh I was so excited when I heard that and obviously you know having great athletes uh over the past like yourself and and being able to give back now to uh to the team that's just that's awesome. That's wonderful and I'm I'm uh I'm happy you guys brought that uh brought the title to McMaster and first uh, basketball title in history, right? It sure is. We set the tone for the Raptors. That's what we're saying. Yes. That's it. That's yes. It. Championships all around. Absolutely. It's been a good year for uh, Ontario basketball. Let's yeah, that. 100%. Grades for everybody. Um, per- yeah. You brought up the fact that uh, you're now coaching mm-hmm. back in, obviously, your grassroots here in McMaster. Um, what's the transition been like for you going from a player and only a player, but a star player here in the Canadian basketball scene to now being a coach? What's that been like? It's been a difficult transition for me, I think, just because uh, coming back, I was only a year away from my playing career. So a lot of the girls on our team I actually played with. Um, That was a hard situation to manage going from teammate to now coach. Um, I think they accepted it really well. You see so much more on the coaching end than you do on the player side. And I always think to myself, oh, I really wish I had another year of eligibility because I see so much more and I wish I could take that and put it back into my playing days at MAC. Um, obviously we had a great year. There's, uh, there's really nothing better than winning in my first year as an assistant coach, but there's a lot of time put into watching film, taking notes, making scouting reports, a lot of stuff that coaches do behind the scenes that players don't really realize, or they don't know how much time it takes. So it was a grind. It was so much fun. And, uh, I'm really happy that they welcomed me back at Mac with open arms. hundred percent. Um, have you dropped the defensive uh, constructive criticism yet this year oh yeah I always uh, I always joke about that I'm like come on play some defense and they'll look at me like D you didn't even play defense when you were here oh, no. but it's that it's that joke but then that also respect that they knew I was I was a good player so yeah. they'll take that criticism and they'll they'll run with it yeah honestly watching this I don't know about you guys but watching this whole Raptors want uh, run sorry uh, to win the NBA uh, championship I really respect defense and and basketball more than ever, and uh, if you know if this year proved anything in the NBA, uh, you know defense still wins your championship. So it's 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 good that um, you know you added that defensive element to your game throughout your career, um, and you know I even saw you know a quote from your your former coach Teresa Burns saying that um, you added improvements to your game at both ends of the court and every year. Uh, of your career so you know being able to um, to add on to your skill and, and add on to um, your offense and defense and just being that complete player is really impressive you played in Europe I did yes I think well. us through that I yeah. uh, so I played in the Netherlands I was about an hour away from Amsterdam um, it was a great experience for me the European style is a little bit different from uh, our Canadian style but still the same we play FIBA they do as well um, the one, the one thing that I always told myself was I'm going to play until it's not fun for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I realized being over there is that the team aspect of basketball was what made it so much fun for me, playing for the person next to you, playing for your sisters on the court. And when you're playing professionally, it's great to know, wow, like I'm getting paid to play basketball right now. This right. is amazing. 
Um, but for me, I didn't like the whole like competing for stats and, you know, trying to get into a better league. And it's very individualized, um, which was good. I'm a competitive person. That was awesome. But at the end of the day, it, it didn't it wasn't fun for me in that sense. So I was like, OK, kind of what's next? And that's when I I reached out to Teresa, actually, my coach. And I said, like, I think I want to get into coaching. Like, I right. think I want that team environment back. And that's when. Uh, it turned out that I could come back to Mac and stuff. But yeah, European experience, if uh, if anyone out there is thinking about doing it, I definitely recommend. Definitely puts you out of your shell and gives you a, a unique experience. It's one I'll probably remember forever. And how did you come about that? Can you take us through, like, how did you end up with, it was the FSG Royal Eagles, is that mm-hmm. correct? So how did you find yourself in the Netherlands playing basketball? Um, so after I finished my career at Mac, you typically you sign with an agent. Um, they do all the work for you. So they're the ones that have the connections overseas. They're the ones with all the intel and all that stuff. Um, they bring the offer to you and you either say, yeah, I'll accept it or whatever. So they ha- they brought the contract to me and the Netherlands was appealing because they speak English. It's a fairly safe uh, country. It's close to Germany, Belgium, lots of places. And the best part about my experience was that I got to travel all over the place. I saw so many countries in Europe within the span that I was there. So that was pretty great. Yeah, pretty great. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier uh, there's a maybe a difference between European basketball mm-hmm. and maybe North American basketball. What's the, the biggest difference, you would say, between the two? Uh, there's a lot less one-on-one in European style. They, they really rely on their sets and their offenses and stuff like that. I feel like women's basketball in, uh, in Canada is like that. Men's not so much. Um, but like I said, the the individuality of like, okay, our set's breaking down. Okay, I want the ball in my hands because I want to be the one scoring, whereas it's I guess less less self, uh, selfless. So right on. Now take us through playing for the women's national team. What was that like? Yeah, that was definitely a, a dream come true. Uh, going to Australia, playing in the Commonwealth Games. Um, when you hear the national anthem, like this is such a cliche answer, but when you're standing there, Canada's across your chest, and you hear the national anthem, it really makes you feel like everything that I put in, all this work, all the maybe parties or whatever that you missed in high school, all the hard work that goes into it, like that's, that's that moment that it all pays off. And it was so much fun just being in the village, seeing all these different athletes from different countries all across the world. And you're kind of all competing for the same goal. Everyone has that competitive drive. So it's a unique experience. It was awesome. So even though you're competing against other countries, once the game's over, did you have a chance to mix and mingle, get to know, you know, uh, individuals and athletes from other countries? Like, how's that How's that dynamic work? Yeah, definitely. We were uh, actually, basketball is not a sport usually in the Commonwealth Games, but Australia uh, since they were the host, they got to choose a sport. They're very strong in basketball, so they added it. Um, so we were actually off-site of the village for most of the time. Um, so we were kind of isolated just basketball. But when you're on the village, everyone's intermingling. They have so much stuff going on in the village. And people do, like, the pin trading thing with other countries. Everyone's interacting. Uh, when it's competition day, you know, it's all serious. But when there's the off days and after people are finished their competitions, it's it's really cool to see, like, the world connect in that way. So I have a follow-up to that. Yep. So you're representing Canada. You have that, um, you know, that Canadian uh, jersey on. Take us through the preparation on game day. Like, what are you, what, what are you thinking leading up to that game, getting onto the court? Uh, is it different than it would have been at McMaster? Do you approach that the same way? How's that work? Uh, I think every athlete will have a different answer for that. Uh, elite athletes will always say, like, your mental preparation is always the same. It doesn't matter whether it's you know, a playoff game, a regular season game, playing for your country. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more nerves and there's going to be that anticipation and that excitement all at once. But I feel like to be consistent and to be uh, to play at the highest level, you really need to have that same mental prep for each game. And I feel like that's kind of what I what I brought to the table that 
ability to be consistent and just a stable mindset of like I'm here to to win a game I'm here to stay positive and stay focused and yeah so your mental prep kind of has to stay the same no matter what you're doing so Danielle Raptor fan oh yeah big time Kawhi lover I do the laugh right now, but I think I did it too many times as we prep for this show. I'll laugh the rest of the show if you do that, so yeah. please don't. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, yeah, maybe later, maybe yeah. to end the show. Talking um, about two-way players, though, Kawhi, best two-way player in the world. And that's the thing, right? Like, he, he comes into the Raptors, and it's all of a sudden, like, for the first time, I'm seeing defensive basketball in their game. And that's why I think I appreciate it so much. Um, but obviously, it's it's athletes like you that have helped grow the game of basketball in Canada. So with this Raptor success, bringing a championship to Canada, you know, in Toronto, you play for a team, but you also play for a country. How do you think winning a championship or the Raptors winning a championship could influence the future of Canada basketball going forward? You can't be what you can't see, right? And I think young athletes um, growing up in Canada for so long have seen all the Canadian hockey players and they've seen that they can be a pro hockey player. But I think now with this Raptors success, kids are seeing like, wow, the Raptors did it. Like, I want to be on the Raptors one day. I can be a successful basketball player. And, you know, the the success that we've had, not only with the Raptors, but with our women's national team, and with our men's national team, um, Canada's competing on the world stage. The Raptors win is just another another added bonus to get kids involved in basketball. And then the importance is just to stay active and to keep playing. But I saw a couple tweets that was like a couple kids in uh, in my neighborhood used to play hockey every morning. And the morning after the Raptors win, they saw them out there playing basketball. So just such a small thing, but it, it really makes such a difference and really hope those kids stick to it. Now You're starting to see a, a big shift I find here in Canada and you, you just completely touch base on that. And I, I saw the same thing and even in my neighborhoods during the playoff run too. But, um, you know, in, in, in speaking of that, like you're obviously very well traveled um, in terms of, uh, you know, basketball and playing in, in not only in Canada, but across the world. Um, but now that you're coaching and dealing with younger players and, and players who are still looking to take their game to another level, um, do you, what advice do you give your players? Like even when they're planning, either life after Mac basketball or looking to take their game to another level, what sort of advice do you give them? Uh, in terms of taking your game to another level, you have to you have to put in more than the person next to you. We always say that. So, you know, we're practicing every day. We're in the weight room every other day. You know, girls that do the individual work outside of that are the ones that are successful. It's not enough in, in our league to just be talented. You have to really put the work in so I prided myself throughout my career on I was always going to be the first one in the gym getting shots up or I was going to be here on a Sunday morning when when people weren't and I think for the girls that have been around since I've been around they've seen that and they've kind of taken that upon themselves to do that as well Um, in terms of life outside of basketball basketball can't be everything right so for me I had to learn that the hard way so like my career ended a couple years ago in my transition and you transition into coaching but there's that big void that basketball filled that now has to be filled with other things right so you have to you have to be able to you know be good with who you are as a person outside of basketball basketball is just what we do it's not who we are right so mm-hmm. that kind of lesson I can really take to the girls in terms of make sure you're good with yourself as a, as a person and not just a basketball player because at some point it's going to end and you got to find something else yeah it's uh basketball is definitely like you said Jordan it's it's growing in this country it's growing in Canada we're so used to seeing like the hockey nets and, and kids playing hockey I'm seeing the same thing like I'm seeing basketball nets 
It's and, so and amazing. Kids want to play basketball. Yeah, I actually have a question for Jordan because uh, here we go. Uh-oh. So these guys were at my brother's wedding last Uh-oh. summer. I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> and Uh-oh. Jordan was I knew all this was coming. Jordan was all torn up about the Demar trade, and he was all uh, anti Kawhi. <laughs> so Jordan, I'd like to know uh, what are your thoughts on Kawhi uh, now today. This is amazing. I knew, I'm so I happy that leading, leading before up you to answer that, you were anti that, like was, you were against that trade. I will be like the, the most I, anti I've ever seen someone be. <laughs> explain. I could yourself, not baby. believe it. I will be the first explain one to yourself. admit that yes, I was against the trade. But like a lot of people and like a lot of fellow Raptors fans at the time, it was a very emotional um, sort of. <laughs> you're putting me on the spot. Here. Yeah, I am. This I told you news. I was going to ask you a this question. This is incredible. I love it. <laughs> My thought, like I said, it was purely emotional. Um, obviously, Demar was a, a huge part of the Raps for years ever since he was drafted. So obviously, he's a fan favorite. He's one of the all-time Raptor greats. So yeah, I mean, there's obviously gonna be a lot of mo- emotion put into it. But I guess that's a, a lot of ignorance on my part too. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, you know, him being out west in San Antonio, there's <laughs> not a lot of exposure to Kawhi when uh, you know, unless you're an extremely diehard basketball fan. Like me, I told Jordan. Uh, but, you know, like I said, my thoughts on him changed. He's an unbelievable player. Um, I'm sure he, he came out and, and literally inspired a tremendous amount of not only kids, but Canadians as a whole to, you know, to love the Raptors and watch them every step of the way. Jordan's so, on such a PR, like, I'm being PR run, run right now. You sound like, like Ross Adkins. It was a very <laughs> emotional take at that point, obviously. I think Danielle has a um, uh, spot lined up with TSN in the future because that was but, an incredible uh, no, question. No, he came in and completely blew everybody away, including myself. So I have a completely different perspective so, on him now. Danielle, sometimes, I don't know if you've uh, listened to the show before, but sometimes Jordan has some interesting takes, some hot takes. Some from, very uh, interesting. You know what? He keeps things interesting. He does. If you all agree all the time, it's not fun. Keep him on the show. Exactly. He's a key, key right. contributor. But, I mean, when you heard this, oh, I, what did you say? I was, she was like, stunned. are you kidding me? Do you know who Kawhi is? He's the best. Like, no, I would, and then to answer your question, no, I did not. Yeah, see, very evident. <laughs> but you know what? We all know who Kawhi is now, and uh, that's all we need. And... and like literally, he had probably the most dominant performance I've ever seen from a Toronto athlete. Outstanding. Ever. That shot will go down in history, 100%. In history. It's called the shot. It's called the shot. It will be forever known as the shot. Yeah. Amazing. That's it. And it's legacy cemented in one year. In one year, right? So you might not know much about him before, you might not have, but you definitely... um, you definitely know a lot about him now. And I, I, I'm really excited, personally, about where this can take Canada basketball. Because even before this year, even before the Raptors winning a championship, like we talk about some of the players, and we've talked about this in the past, some of the top Canadian talent that's coming through right now. We talk about R.J. Barrett. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking Jamal on the guy Murray. from Denver. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, right. Um, there's so many guys coming through the Canada basketball system. And I, and I think those are still products. Like even Andrew Wiggins... Those are still products from Vince Carter. Wait till you see the products of this. Both men and women's side, though, too. Both yeah, men and women's side. Because it's, you know, it's... It's inspiring everybody. Everybody. So that's that's really exciting. And I think it's only a matter of time before Canada's a basketball country. Canada is a basketball country. Let's just put that out there right now. I'm not sure if you guys uh, heard this, but uh, Tim Laiwiki, he used to be the... Um, he ran the operations CEO. for MLSE, the CEO, CEO. of MLSE. Do you know he actually predicted in 2014 that basketball would be more popular than hockey in the city of Toronto? And then you look at like what's happened now. The Raptors winning the championship, and we talked last uh, we talked last time about 
the Raptors being the most valuable franchise. He was, he was right. He was right. Danielle, let's, uh, you know, we're almost done here. About three minutes to go. What's next for Danielle Boyago? I'm going to stick with my uh, McMaster squad, born and raised. Nice. Um, definitely going to ride it out for a little bit longer. We're coming off a high off that championship season. So I'm going to join the coaching staff again next year as an assistant coach and kind of keep learning. There's so much to learn. Our, our head coach is a wealth of knowledge. So I'm excited for next season and what, uh, what the season will bring. Is it a year-long commitment over the summer as well? Like you're constantly practicing, recruiting, yeah. uh, coming up with plays, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Summer is uh, more like player-led practices where the girls will have open gym where they scrimmage and that kind of stuff. We're around, we watch and kind of give tips here and there. But September is kind of when we start right away. And then our season starts end of October. And then we go all the way, hopefully, at the end of March again this year. Do you still, uh, when you're coaching and they're having open gym, do you still hop in and play? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah you better okay. believe it. Yeah. The girls get so mad because I'm still competitive and they're like, you're a coach, you're not supposed to be this competitive, but it's it's in you for life. You should just drain threes oh. on them every single practice and then just walk away. <laughs> That's it. Swish. I can't be that mean. No, our <laughs> team is awesome. They're uh, they're always looking to get better. So it's, it's a lot of fun playing with them in the summer. That's awesome. I would love to uh, play a little game of 21 against Danielle. See, see how I can measure up. I think we should do that one day and then post that. We could definitely do that. We have this thing where, like, we, we, we've been talking about. It's like we should challenge every athlete that we have on here to see how, where we measure up against them. So, Romanu, we were going to challenge to a, a run. That's that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be fun no. at all. <laughs> if you want to see just how good these athletes are we're having on, watch the videos yeah. of them playing against us. <laughs> that's, and you'll see and exactly that's what it is, right? We mean. So <laughs> we can, why don't we set that up in the next couple of weeks? We'll, we'll do we'll 21. Come, we'll come we down do here bump. one night. We can do it all. We'll Three go down to the gym. Out. Absolutely. We'll go down to the gym. We'll record. We'll play uh, all those games that you mentioned. We'll, uh, we'll post that online and we'll, uh, we'll actually show how incredible yeah. Danielle is. How incredible she is. And, you know, get some pointers because I'd love to improve my ball game as well. Anytime, guys. Always here. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. You are an incredible athlete, an even better person. Uh, I've known you forever. Um, you're just such an inspiration to a lot of young athletes. And you've represented Hamilton, McMaster, St. Thomas More, and Canada extremely well. So we can't thank you enough for, for coming down here. Seriously. Anytime, guys. Yeah, go Raps, go. Out. Appreciate it, Danielle. If you want, I can end off with a Kawhi laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> thanks, Danielle. Please resign, Kawhi. Please, That's I'm sorry. Amazing. Thanks, Danielle. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. No noon, no noon. We don't feel that. A fake friend, where your real friends at? We don't like to do too much explaining. Story stay the same, I never changed it. No noon, we don't feel that. A fake friend, where your real friends at? We don't like to do too much explaining. Story stay the same. podcast um, episode 11 wrapping up uh, just finished wrapping up with uh, former Mac women's basketball superstar Danielle Boyago current uh, Mac assistant coach she was awesome how great was she 
What it do, baby? What it do? What it do? Yeah, that was uh, that was a great interview. It was really cool to get her, you know, just her perspective on the growth of Canada basketball and and her experience here at McMaster and, and her playing in Europe was was incredible. Pretty cool. I mean, like again, we grew up with her in, in high school, mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool to see someone like that and see where they've actually come. You know, again, from knowing an athlete like that in grade nine to then seeing, you know, that they represented Canada, they played professional ball. It's it's pretty cool. Some of the like that one line she dropped about her coach with that defense line was epic. Like that was awesome. Unbelievable. How did how did you guys ever respond to criticism like that? Because I don't know. Sometimes I, it made me. Sometimes constructive criticism in sports and sometimes just in everyday life always made me angry and i don't i think later in life like later um maybe even after high school i kind of responded to constructive criticism better i think it all depends on the uh the coach and how you obviously view that person i've had i've had some coaches i really disliked yeah me too. and i had a lot of constructive criticism from them and i really took it in a negative way and i had some great coaches i really respected i really liked taught me a lot and I really valued their constructive criticism. So I think yeah. it's all a matter of your mindset in terms of um, the coaches and the people you're dealing with and how you sort of take it in. Um, yeah. You can either take it in uh, in, a, in a very positive way that changes you. You can take it in a very negative way that uh, just destroys you. Yeah, I mean, I've had – I'll bring up rowing, for example. I had a coach in first year who was incredible. I responded incredibly well to him. Anything he said I, I took, you know, again, as fantastic constructive criticism – Fast forward a year after, I had a coach who would literally say the exact same thing, and I resented. I resented him. I couldn't stand him. Anything he said, I thought he was against me, and I didn't respond well. Even though looking back now, he was literally just saying the same thing the coach said the, the year before. Yeah. But it's just that relationship you have with that coach sometimes can, you know, lead you astray. Yeah, coaching like teaching is all about relationships, right? So I think you respond to those that you respect. And um, I respect you. Yeah, I respect you too. I think we have a good relationship. Great relationship. But yeah, constructive criticism, I just felt like that was, uh, I really took a lot away from that in the interview with Danielle because sometimes people can shy away from constructive criticism and take it in a negative way. But if you just embrace it and use that to get better, that's that's huge. I thought it was important that she did have the same coach over over the four years she was here. Yeah, because let's say first year she started and she didn't get along with her coach, that makes her a miserable four years. Yeah, right. So the fact she was able to establish a great relationship with her coach first year, and now she coaches alongside her. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. She's been able to build that relationship for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's all about uh, it's all about rapport, right? Yeah. It's all about building that rapport with your with your players. It's clear they've had a lot of success as well. I mean, you you, you always hear about. Um, you know the most successful teams, and they, what do they have? What do they all have in common? It's consistently consistency throughout the organization, from top to bottom. They have consistent coaching year after year, consistent management, consistent players. And like I said, it does take a lot of time to build successful chemistry, um, not only as a player but together as a team. And I think the best teams are ones that um, can stay together uh, through the ups and downs, and ones that can actually grow from each other as well and become a successful team. I think you see that. You see that all the time, no matter what sport it is. So you know it's just I'm, another example. You know what I'm curious about? I want to know, again, winning is is obviously an incredible joy, no matter where what position you're in. But do you think it means more to win as an athlete or a coach? 
Like, do you think she, and not only Danielle specifically, but even NHL coaches, NBA coaches, football coaches, if they don't win when they're playing the sport and then become a coach and win, do you think it's that same joy? I think it is because a lot of a lot of coaches are players that played. So I think, you know, if if you were someone who wanted to let's let's say you were someone who played basketball, for instance, right, and then you go into coaching. I think because you put all that hard work as a player to understand the game, to stay fit, you don't win it as a player, but you win it as a coach. I think it means just as much much because you have all that knowledge from playing. And now you're the brains behind the operation and coaching. So I think it means, I would say it means just as much uh, winning it as a coach as, as it would be winning as a player. Different type of feeling though, I think. I think there's still that joy. I but it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you would get that same feeling as, as if you were a player, you jump over the boards, or you run on the, on the court. Coaches always seem like they have to hold themselves to a higher, right. uh, you know, a higher um, like respect level or a higher accord because they're in that authority position now. Yeah. So you never see coaches just going ballistic usually. And if they are, it's for two seconds before they're like, you know, snap back. Whoops, I'm a coach. I can't act like that anymore. I'm not a player. Yeah, maybe there is a little bit of a difference, but I don't I don't think like one trumps the other. Like I don't think winning as a coach trumps winning as a player and vice versa. Uh, but maybe yeah, you're probably right that there is a little bit of a difference in the way, maybe the way you celebrate or the way you view that win. Um, yeah. That's a good question, Brian. Very intellectual. Hey, that's what we're here for. Are we actually getting a, a quick basketball game going with Danielle? I think that'd be pretty funny for the, the social media. I think media. we really need to start a segment like that on our socials. Um, well, right now we have a workout schedule with Romanu, and we have. We're going to get in shape this summer, boys. Schedule with uh, Danielle. So we're going to be. Yeah, I think we're going to use that as some sort of like free personal training or something yeah. like that. We're going to have free. Free basketball coaching, uh, free track. I think yeah. we're going to get in shape this summer, boys. We're going to be chiseled. We're going to be ripped. Now, we do have a very good friend who is incredible at, um, what do you want to call it, videography? Oh, yeah. Is that a word? Yeah, Video- a, yeah. Oh, of course it's a word. It's yeah. a great word. See how smart I am? Video- I went to Mac, graduated <laughs> here four years, don't even know if videography is a word. But we should recruit him to take some of these videos and promo shots, you know, uh, racing Romanu at the track. Or having a couple shots, um, basketball shots, yeah, not alcohol shots with Danielle. Got, uh, you know, we, we can even get. I think you're talking show. about our, our good friend Dominic Grandoni. Absolutely, shout out to, Shout out to DJ. Yeah, my show. man. Yeah, we got we can get him on the show sometime. That'd be fun. Yeah, and yeah. we got to get a quick plug in for obviously our own show as well. So speaking of social media, uh, if you want to watch these future sort of segments or clips of us just getting destroyed by these athletes. Uh, once again, follow us on Instagram, purposely underscore offside. Um, you got us on, on Twitter as well, at PO Sports yeah, Talk. Um, we're obviously streaming uh, live. Again, we, we do have our show that's uh, going to be streaming or you can view and listen uh, live. That's going to happen Mondays. I think it's official now. Yeah, Mondays, Mondays 9.30 a.m. Monday morning on 93.3 CFMU, which is Mac Radio here. Um, we're actually live in the studio right now. Um, and then once again, uh, you can follow us and listen to us uh, in podcast form on uh, all viewing platforms. You got Apple Music, Spotify, mostly Anchor. Um, and you can listen to the show on, on CFMU.ca as well. You can stream that live, 9.30 Monday mornings. And the 30-minute the podcast will also be available on cfmu.ca. So we'll have the 30-minute interview posted there. 
And like Jordan mentioned, our follow-up podcast, which we always do after the interview, um, will also be available on the platforms that he already mentioned. That was a great plug, boys. Wasn't that, wasn't that good? That was amazing. I think that was good. Jordan, I think we're learning. Jordan, you plug in that info was pretty professional. Yeah. Like should that. we make, Thanks, should we designate Batag's the plug man? He's the plugger. Should, like halfway through. You're a great plug. When there's 15 minutes or so, we just give him the nod and he knows he goes into plug mode. We should come up with I'm a, throwing that in my, my Twitter as my uh plug in my bio the official plug man, plug man for think, <laughs> PO Sports Talk. We should have like a hand signal. <laughs> <laughs> the plug man. So we haven't like we're we're still relatively new to this. We haven't actually developed any type of nickname or personality for the show. Is this the first I think I just found my role, my calling in life. Is this the first uh nickname we've come up with on yeah, the show that, so this far? Is the first one. The, the plug, plug man. man. The pl- I'm getting a t shirt made. The pl- it's I, gonna have a plug on it. I think it's an incredible name. To be honest <laughs> at with at, <laughs> at purposely underscore offside with the plug. The plug. <laughs> <laughs> with the plug man or the plugger. <laughs> I, I like plug man, but I guess we'll let the, the individual. It's, it's almost like or call me pl- uh, plug guy. We should do a vote on Instagram. Like, you know, there's a dark guy. There is now the plant guy. The plug- I think it'd be the plug guy. The plug I don't. Guy. I like that. I I like plug man, plug guy, plug plug whatever. No, just not the plug. So did you guys see, speaking of Plant Guy, uh, with the parade going on yesterday in downtown Toronto, over 2 million people, Plant Guy actually ended up giving the plant to Kawhi. That was incredible. Nope. The fact that, the fact that well, Brian, since you didn't see it. No, I saw it. I you didn't saw like it. it. You didn't like it. The fact that Drake was in on it and was going crazy, it no, just it, it added to it. I mean, we, we were at the parade. Um, we... We're, we obviously we discussed it a bit when Danielle was on, but just like I, I still can't believe what's happened in this in that city over the last I would even say month. It's just it's so surreal. I, I went to work today. Uh, yeah. I work downtown, and just like walking around everywhere, seeing you know the words "2019 NBA Champions," the Toronto Raptors mm-hmm. posted everywhere. Yeah, it was just crazy. It's it, it's surreal. I, I still can't believe it. It's almost like pinch me. I don't know if I'm dreaming. Like this this happened. The Toronto Raptors won the 2019 NBA championship, and we dominated too. Like that that's the thing is this was a team that we all we always knew they had a good team even in the past when they didn't have Kawhi, but now this year they have the star player they've been always looking for. They bring guys like. Marcus and Danny Green as well. And it was just amazing to see guys were, we're kind of homers when it comes to, you know, Toronto sports, right? It was crazy to see a team live up to its hype. This is what they were supposed to do. This is what they were built to do to win a championship. They, and, and they, they were so, it. yeah. Okay. But hold on. They were supposed to based off of Raptors history, lose or blow it right. when they were down to nothing to Milwaukee. Did you truly think they were coming back, or did you think typical raps? Uh, honestly, Brian, I'm not, I'm going to be the first to admit I wrote them off when they were down two nothing. That's what I'm saying. I, I I even almost wrote off the Raptors when they, um, I believe they went down two one to Philly. Philly, but they didn't you know, look good at that vi- point. As uncharacteristic, this is the most uncharacteristic Toronto team when we're talking about the big four sports. The most uncharacteristic Toronto team ever. Okay, they come back. They they tie that series against Philly two two. The shot in Game Seven. That never happens in Toronto sports, 
And then, like you said, Bride, down 2 nothing to Milwaukee. They went on to win four straight games against the team that had the best record in the in the whole NBA. Like that that was impressive. And, and I think that was the moment when they finished off Milwaukee in four straight, where I was like, this team might have a chance to actually knock off the dynasty that is the Golden State Warriors. And they did it in six games. I I, I hate I truly hate to be this guy. But I'm gonna go there anyway, and let me let me preface what I want what I'm gonna say with, you still have to play the games, mm-hmm. and the Raps had no control over who played for Golden State. Yeah, but if, and it's obvious, and I know you guys will admit to this, if Durant and Clay were healthy the entire series, the Raps would have gotten greased. I think they win one game. I think they lose four one that series. And you can't, yeah. don't let them winning and the high that you guys are on skew the actual thought of, yes, they probably would have lost if Katie was healthy. Okay, so, I mean, I like how you went there because it sounds like you're Asterix guy. Not, not entirely because I, I'm under the belief that you still have to play the games and it's not the Raps' fault that their players were injured. Right. It's not their fault, not so their they, fault they, they still won. Well, okay, so let, let's take it back to when uh, Golden State won a title against the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. Uh, Kevin Love, out of the lineup, right? Kyrie, out of the lineup. They didn't have control. Just like you said, you can't control who you, who you face and what players are put on the court, right? But there, there was never, when Golden State won, there was never any talk about an asterisk being put next to Golden State. They just won because they, they beat LeBron James, so I think now, like, I know what you're saying, Brian. Like, yeah, Dur- Kevin Durant, a healthy Kevin Durant, a healthy Klay Thompson, a healthy Steph Curry, whatever. You have those big three guys. Yeah, maybe they don't win this series. Again, we don't know that, but being sports fans and watching a lot of sports, odds are Golden State wins that series if Durant's healthy and Clay's healthy. The only reason I'm going there is because I, I, I've been hearing a lot where rap fans are saying it was destiny or... We knew this was going to happen, or you know, there was no, there was no question we were going to win. It's like, well, you can't say that now because those guys were injured, and, and you actually, you know, rinse them. But I think, I think when you talk about a team of destiny, every team that wins any kind of championships, and, you, and, and NHL, and the NHL playoffs is a perfect example. Anyway, you need a little bit of luck along the way, and I think the Raptors' luck was the unhealthiness or the injury to Kevin Durant. No, totally, right. yeah. And, and I think that's what they mean by a team of destiny is like they actually, a lot of things went right for them. That was one of them, no doubt about it. Like Kevin Durant's in this series, it's different. We saw that in 11 minutes. I think I think in 11 minutes in game number, was it game number four? What, what game was that? Uh, oh, sorry, no, game number five. Game number five, Kevin Durant plays 11 minutes, scores 12 points. I think in those 11 minutes, we actually saw that this probably could have been a series that was Golden State's if he plays. So n- no argument there. But what I will say, though, is the Raps still win that series if Clay plays every game as well. Maybe not game six. Because he that guy was not missing his shot. Yeah, he, he was pretty dialed in. On fire, man. On fuego. I think they would have took it in seven, but again, it's hard to, to speak hypothetical, right? It's, it is really tough because then you can say, okay, well, the Raptors should have finished them off in game five, 
right? Because they shouldn't have blew a six point, even though they played horribly. They shouldn't have blew a six point lead, and Nick Nurse shouldn't have called that timeout, and he should have called the timeout with 15 seconds left. There's so many hypotheticals you can talk about. I still think if you just look at the Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant uh, and having a healthy Clay, healthy uh, you know Steph Curry, healthy Draymond Green, I think the Raptors genuinely deserve to win that series um, and would have won that series, clay or no clay, in the final one and a half games. Probably. And, and again, it doesn't... Here's the thing. It doesn't matter now because they've matter. won. Because yeah. you can have myself or anyone, anybody else, American media, whoever you want it to be, come out and say, well, this is why you know they won, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Can I, can I ask you as a question, though? Let's hear it. Jordan, you can hop in this uh, with this answer as well, or an answer to this question as well. If I can give you to ex- explain, what was the main reason the Raptors won the NBA championship? If you can summarize it into one word or one phrase, what won the Toronto Raptors the 2019 NBA championship? Focus. Kawhi. <laughs> you can't um, say Kawhi. Can't say Kawhi. No, focus. I'm gonna if if we're talking about it, the series as a whole, I'm gonna go back to what Brian said, and I'm gonna say Durant. No, 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 no. I'm saying okay. So him not playing. Do you mean? I'm yes. talking about the whole playoffs as a whole. We got to look at from round one to the NBA finals. What won the Toronto Raptors this championship? I'm gonna say the team. The team. So what about the their team? team was their team was it's what going on what Brian said the team the team was dialed in collectively, right? They had one vision. Everyone was on board. Everyone was playing for each other and for the city and for the country, right? Um, all their coaches were were locked in. Um, I think they they won this collectively together. Okay. And what was one thing we always harped on? And what's one reason why they traded Demar Derozan? You couldn't get it done. They just have a finisher. They didn't have, they didn't have that guy to come in and lead them to the promised land. Right. And what and what aspect of his game does Danielle have that Demar Derozan didn't have? What defense. is defense? There you go. Bum, bum. Boom. Defense. Defense. I think the Raptors won this championship mm-hmm. on defense. In that old I slogan, agree. you know, defense wins championships. That that's why the Raptors won. Their defense was swarming. Can I throw some numbers out at you guys? Mm-hmm. Please do. And I have a follow-up to that when you're done. Yeah. So I'm just going to – let's just look at – this is the total playoffs. Okay? I'm going to look at the – I'm going to compare their regular season defensive numbers to their postseason defensive numbers. Okay? So 106.8 points per game in the regular season down to 104.1 in the postseason. Okay? So about, uh, about two points – Less. Um, sorry, my, my mistake there. 108.4 compared to 101.1. That's even, oh my God, better than I thought it was. Okay, so 108.4 points per game in the regular season compared to 101.1 in the postseason. Okay, opponent's field goal percentage in the regular season, 44.9% down to 42.4%. Opponent three point per, uh, three point percentage, 
Regular season, 34.5% down to 32.9% in the postseason. All right. Do you guys remember how much the Raptors struggled against Orlando in the regular season? They actually had a few really, really tough games against Orlando. If we look at their uh, their their matchup against Orlando in the regular season or matchups, the Magic had a point per game against the Raptors of 107.3. Do you know what it got down to in the playoffs? It's It's got to be in the 80s. 92. Yeah. From 107.3 to 92 points per game on average. That's how much they got it down against the uh, Orlando Magic in the first round. The Nets, 122.4 points per game against the 76ers during the regular season, down to 98.9 in the postseason. Bucks, 116.9 points per game against the Raptors in the regular season, down to 106.7 in the postseason. And then Golden State. 117.3 points per game in the two matchups against the Warriors during the regular season, down to 105.8. That's defense, man. And defense wins championships, and the Raptors proved that. Yeah. Man, the last five years, defense hasn't won championships. So it's because it happened one year, you guys are going to say defense wins championships? Well, it Golden was, State's proven it, it, that it doesn't. But it, it different things work for different teams, right? But the last five years right, between uh, you know Cleveland and Golden State, Right. Or sorry, last four years, I guess we could say. Defense did not win championships because those guys were rinsing the other team with threes. But but what's the best way to get in the stop raining threes? Play but, some defense. Also, look at the last team who did play phenomenal shutdown defense to win the finals. Who was on that team? Kawhi. San Antonio with Kawhi, who was also MVP of that series. Again, Durant and Thompson were injured. It's I could play defense against those guys. Oh, boy. You guys could play. Anyone could play defense against those guys. What, what was that guy's name? Clay Looney? Clay Looney Tunes or whatever oh, his name on, was? Come on, Looney. Yeah, okay. So let's be realistic here. You guys couldn't play defense against Looney Tunes? No. No. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not that good of a three-point shooter. He's, He'd still get rinsed. Well, I, I see what you're you saying, You see what I'm Brian? saying? I, I see what you're saying in the sense that Golden State won a championship a specific way. Offensively, out shooting their opponent, and other teams tried to play defense, but you can't play a team to their strengths. And I think that's what a lot of teams try to do, right? They tried to outscore Golden State. Well, instead of trying to outscore them, outscore them, how about you just defend them? And I think that's the identity the Raptors really conformed to was a defensive identity. But and, and, and bringing in Kawhi Leonard, that was his identity, a two-way player, and it rubbed off on the whole team. Van Vliet played good defense. Gasol is a seven-foot wall. It's tough to play defense, though, especially against the Warriors when when Clay and Steph can literally go to half court and close their eyes and drain a three. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. And they just didn't do it this series. Well, I think, and maybe that is a testament to their defense. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. I think so. More so than Golden State just not hitting shots? See... I've watched we this year I watch a lot more basketball than I, I have in the past. And just seeing the difference between the DeRozan led Raptors to the Kawhi led Raptors, when it's amazing what can happen. I'll, I'll agree with you, Brad. The, the Golden State Warriors missed shots, but I think those hands in front of the faces, in front of the eyes, and those difficult shots, those contested shots, 
there's more of those with this Raptor team this year than there have been in the past. I'll give you that. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, like it's... I'm trying to look at it from the other point. Like I'm not a Warriors fan, but yeah. I'm trying to look at it from a different standpoint. Do you know? Do you guys know what I mean? I, I, I get what you're saying about the whole, you know, Golden State. Um, it, it's tough to stop them, and yeah, they do hit a lot of shots. I think they ran into their, their, their match. Obviously, like seeing without no, they didn't have Durant, but they ran they ran into a really really good opponent where they they actually they needed Durant. And I think that's the that's the thing we can take away from this. They thought they didn't need him. That was funny. And that, and and that's the other thing that'll I, come back to haunt them for yeah. years. They came out and said we we can win without him. We're still the Warriors without him. Well, I don't know about you guys. That's the case. I, that's what I took away from this wasn't series case. too. Is you remember back then we're like oh do the Warriors really need Durant when he signed? Apparently they do. Yep. They do. I think that was them just trying to convince themselves that they don't need him. Like, I don't think they truly believe that they didn't need him. Yep. I think they were just trying to hype themselves up. Well, apparently, there was a lot of talk when when so when Durant left the game or after he uh, he re-injured himself. There's all this talk about how you know who's to blame. You know, we talked about it before, but um, you know, there's all this talk about how but there was potentially the, a lot of pressure from the players within the locker room to have them come back. So you go from guys going out into the media saying, you know, we're the Golden State Warriors, we can we can and will win without Kevin Durant, to hearing all this this chatter behind the scenes about how there's a player pressure for him to come back and play. So, mm-hmm. you know, take that with a grain of salt. But, um, you know, just this the play on the court speaks for itself. I mean, obviously they're they're a team that uh, they were banged up, but you can say this you can that's the case with both teams. Yeah, Kawhi Kawhi, Kawhi even too. came out and said that he's he's hurting. Yeah, he could barely even sit down for an interview after the after the series yeah. is over. So, yeah, you know you're gonna like I said I always say this before if you're in a championship final, regardless of what sport you're playing, yeah. both teams are banged up. You're gonna be battered and bruised playing those long series. Yeah, 100%. Um, up until the finals. So to say that the Raps were 100 percent healthy is complete bogus. Obviously, the, the Warriors had a lot more serious injuries. Obviously, yeah, you're gonna have two players out for pretty much the entire season next year. Yeah, um, and you know, two of their their all stars. But yeah, it, it, you may, that's a great you know, point, Jordan. Some, sometimes you win. Sometimes it. Sometimes it's how you win. Let you can put an that. asterisk around it for many teams that have won championships in the past. Um, but you know what? It, it happens. Let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys this though, though, because that was a great point you just mentioned about. Um, Golden State with the injuries. Did these injuries long term they save the Golden State Warriors? In terms of does Kevin Durant come back now? Does Clay Thompson come back now? I think it was a blessing in disguise. Um, I I think it'll push teams away from trying to pursue them. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the point of paying a guy thirty forty million dollars to sit to sit at home? The yeah. Knicks will pay it. Tell you that much. If you're yeah, the Knicks, okay. The Knicks, the, the Knicks are. The Knicks are the Knicks, and the Warriors stated that they would have him back. Yeah, so it's easier. It's easier to go in and retain a player that's already on your team and is a proven superstar, and guys obviously want him back in the team, than for you to be a to try and go and convince an owner to say we're going to pay Kevin Durant, you know, forty million dollars, but he's going to stay at home all the next year. You know what? I'd be the, like, no, thank you. You know what the Knicks need to do, or Golden State for that matter? Hire me. I'm going to come down to your city, either New York or Oakland, and I'm going to work with Durant. You know what I'm going to do with Durant? 
calf raises and quads. Have you seen how skinny this guy's legs are? It's obvious why he has an injury. But that's a struggle a that a lot of that's a struggle a lot of centers have. Like look at all these these massive guys. In Not the NBA. that skinny, They're, man. Anthony Davis is like that. Um, Boogie had had Achilles injuries and leg injuries because they're not working out with their legs enough. It's tough. The, if the taller you get, obviously the more slender you are, and the tougher it is. Like look at, uh, um, oh my God, what's the guy's name? Romanu. Yeah, Romanu. <laughs> no, yeah, Romanu's legs. Get get yeah. Anthony Romanu over to Oakland and start training. Calvary. I'll go down and we'll start doing calf exercises and quads and hamstrings, and there will be no leg injuries anymore. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. See, well. Actually, well Hey, Easy as that. I want you to train the rappers. I want the rappers to keep on being successful. They have Remind their legs Golden, taken care Golden of. Golden State has their time. Has had their time in the sun. The Bef- raps are good. Before we wrap up, um, I just want to mention. Uh, I know we are always coming back to that one team on this podcast. <laughs> it's impossible not. To I want to wrap boys. up with things. I, I said off air that I was going to bring in, in a, a bit of a hot take and a bit of uh, a bit of a comment here. Uh, to discuss before we leave, but during the parade yesterday, yeah, let's go into this for a bit. John Tory came out and announced that the the section from Bremner and York Ooh. to Sco- the now Scotiabank Arena was Air Canada Center is now officially going to be named Raptors Way. And there's already a Blue Jays Way, right? There is a Blue Jays Way, which obviously is off of uh, you know Front Street leading up to the Rogers Center. But when I was wa- we were watching the parade yesterday, and John Tory came up on stage and announced that, it absolutely blew my mind that there is no Toronto Maple Leafs way because they haven't won. And just to see, like, just taking it all in and, and just looking at all the fans and how the city, how the just the city got behind the team during this whole run, it just blew me away. Uh, it actually really impressed me just just how many people have embraced this team and have literally become true fans of this team. No, Ryan, not at all, man. There you were are crazy. So what you're saying is, this is a million, two almost two million people. Listen at the parade, not two hundred thousand. Nope, I know. Not twenty thousand. Almost two million people for the parade. So are you saying? It was. Are you, are you saying that, that that this could signify, especially the the naming or the renaming of Brebner to Raptors Way, that, that this is a basketball city now? Is you that, guys yes. are nuts. Yes, you guys is. are actually nuts. Yes, it is. I'm going to walk out of here soon if you guys. And keep I'm going that back up. to what we we discussed this on prior podcasts. Oh man. And I'm saying it again. I'm not saying it is this fair. this run to this championship and seeing all the social media and seeing the out, outpour of support and just just the inspiration. Nope. That this team has had on this no. city and these this country and these fans. And Danielle mentioned it when she was on. Man, Canada and Toronto is a basketball country oh, and city. Before Brian, it is incredible, man. I just want to say it's incredible. I just want to say I don't think it, it is a it is yet a basketball city. I think it for it a hundred percent is. Sorry, it's a basketball 100%. city. I don't think it. I don't think the Raptors top the Leafs yet. They're close. No, listen, listen. They're close, man. Listen, yeah, it's close. close. I agree with that. This is what I'm this was. You. They're close. Let's say, 
Let's say yesterday. And that's coming from me. That, that's a hot take. That's not a hot take. That's that's you just following into Man. this whole glory uh, no. glory hole that uh, the raps are showing you right now. This is this is what's going on. Canada hasn't witnessed a championship in any of the major sports since '93. That's it was the Habs. So you're not counting Toronto FC. They no, I'm not counting not- Toronto FC, and I'm not counting Argos. I'm talking about a professional. Uh, championship in either baseball, hockey, or basketball. So 93, the Jays as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So Jays and Habs, okay? The country is dying for a championship win. Canadians are dying to watch or support a championship team. And the Raps are the ones that provided to that, that to them first. It was an excuse for people who have watched Boston win, who have watched Golden State win, all these other major sports franchises take in titles when Canada hasn't. This was just an excuse to party. Not diehard Raps fans. It was an excuse to get out and celebrate something. Prove me wrong on that one. Uh, Where were these 2 million fans aged like 10 years ago? It was an excuse for Canadians to party. Well, because I, I we haven't been able to, I can agree that, you know, especially the city of Toronto, we were we are there always, and we are always as supporters, willing to get on. Whatever bandwagon is winning, whatever team is winning in the city, so yeah, are are there fans who just joined the parade, who just joined the bandwagon on the Raptors this year, maybe after the second round, after th- yeah, of course. But I, I think the, um, I really think the foundations of a strong interest in basketball in Canada has been here for the past five years, maybe even maybe extending before that. And I, I think that the success is now going to generate a new wave of young kids wanting to play basketball wanted to enroll in basketball. And even if it's just something they jumped on this year, mm-hmm. I think it will contribute to the not only growth of Canadian basketball, but the popularity of basketball in Toronto. And maybe one day, maybe one day, I don't think it's yet, maybe we see the Raptors don't super, say it. Supersede the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're nuts. You're crazy. Right, I'm gonna tell. Maybe. I'm gonna. You're I'm crazy. gonna. I'm gonna piggyback. Maybe, I'm, gonna, oh, maybe. I'm gonna piggyback. Maybe. I'm gonna piggyback your comments. Right, on, maybe. If I'm, the Leafs won the Cup next year, no one would talk about the Raps winning a yes, championship. Yes, they will. I agree. No, it'd be. Yes, they will. But, but they would dwarf what the Raps did, and the focus would be Leafs. Well, Brian, here's of what course I agree. the focus. If if uh, if the if the Raptors, let's say the Raptors don't sign, re-sign Kawhi, and let's say they struggle next year, or they or obviously they don't repeat. And the Leafs are successful. Of course, it's going to seesaw. To that's what I mean. Leafs. The Leafs but that's just the support of of a, a multi-sport city like Toronto. It's the same. You see the same thing everywhere with uh, like like Boston or L.A. or the, everyone is a fan of if you're a, if you're a resident of either the GTA or the GTHA, whatever they call it. There's a very good chance that you're a multi-sport fan. Very good chance. So you're yeah. telling me that uh, it's going to seesaw. Your emotions are going to seesaw depending well, on the Brian, success. I, I, and outcome what I of agree with team. Brian is that yeah, if the Leafs won next year, yeah, I mean they got the they got all the popularity. They go back to being the most valuable Canadian franchise. 
that's what success does though, right? Yeah. Success is everything. That's what I'm saying. So on your point there, yeah. the Raptors were successful. Right. Hence why people supported them. Hence why people who never watched basketball before came out to celebrate their win because it was an excuse to celebrate. There were a lot of diehard fans and, and, there. And there's no, lot, there yes, were. Yes, there were. We were how there. Would you, yeah, you survey all of them? There no, were a lot of diehards there. You just there. hear, and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll piggyback off of your comment. When we were walking around, you see different generations of fans. And to go to your point, and we've always said this, we talk about the Vince Carter era mm-hmm. and the first wave of basketball. That's basically our age group. And yeah. we saw a ton of a ton of people there that were around our age, slightly younger, slightly older, extremely knowledgeable about basketball, love the game, know their Raptors history. Hey, can I just say and one follow thing? the team since since that era? And, and that's a great point. And and what did Vince Carter do? Exited the second round. That's all. Yeah, that's as nothing. far as he's got as he's gotten us, and had a great dunk competition. And look at the wave of basketball yeah. generated. And now. Jump, and now to jump to go back to the second point there, you also see a new generation. There's a lot of kids there yesterday, a lot of parents, um, a lot of obviously with it being strollers. Toronto, uh, diverse, very diverse uh, population, and a very young generation of kids who are now watching this wave of success, Guess which what? is even greater. Than that Vince Carter era. It is great. It is a much greater accomplishment than that Vince Carter era. So now you're going to see the the first wave of basketball fans become even even stronger fans because of this. And you're now you're going to see a new generation of basketball fans because of this championship who are now going to become Raptors fans and are going to grow with this organization still. Guess what? There's a lot of kids that go to Santa Claus uh, parades, and until they get about nine or ten years old, they realize Santa Claus isn't real. And they move on to bigger and better things. The Raptors are Santa Claus. And those kids at that parade yesterday were there because their parents wanted to take them to celebrate and experience something that they'll remember or also, forever. Or also inspire them to maybe get into sports or maybe see just Agreed. What the city provides. Agreed. But I'm sa- what I'm trying to argue is that 80% of the people there yesterday either just started watching basketball or were there literally just to say that they were there? I don't. I don't. Think, and that they I wanted think, to take part in this type of parade. I think eighty percent is way too high. I think may, like there 50 was then. there was a lot of diehards there. It, it is kind of hard to judge when when people started jumping on the bandwagon, but I think we can all agree that basketball is a mainstream sport. A mainstream sport, right? And when you have a sport that's supported by your favorite artists such as Drake, Meek Mill. It, Pretty much every it, every it's, it's every, very rap, every rapper to you know the young culture nowadays. Can I ask you guys a question? Because I love this argument. I love this debate. Yesterday, we all know, was the Raptors parade. What if Mitch Marner signed a $10.5 million deal with the Leafs yesterday? Front page. No, it wouldn't be. Like, hy- hypothetical. It'd be, it would be a slap in the face. It would never happen. Are you talking about what, what would the what lead would, what, story what be would the yesterday main, or today? What would the lead story the tomorrow parade. in the city yeah, sorry. What would the lead story yesterday in the city be if at 11 a.m. Mitch Marner signs a, uh, an extension with Toronto, 
Sons of Deal, Toronto, but you got the Raptors parade going on. What be, gets the focus? Like, the parade. Like, does I the parade go breaking news? Has to, has to I be. truly believe. I'm not even saying this as a Leafs uh, I know what you're going to say already. I truly think it's Leafs. No. Because the Raps had already won. Now it's Doesn't just a, This is a massive Now it's just a Mickey Mouse parade at that point. Now it's just a Mickey Mouse parade. Well, realistically, and I, I listened all day. It would be. They, were, they weren't talking about anything because the the... Uh, the float was like six hours behind. So well, that's, that they needed airtime to fill yeah. first off <laughs> because there was nothing so, going on. Yeah. So if, if if Marner signed and they knew the parade was still four hours away from, from actually getting to uh, Nathan Phillips Square, of course they talk about Leafs. That would take over the parade. Again, that that would never happen because I, so. I think I think teams really you know pay attention to when they release news. It's just an interesting question. I was I thought about that on the day the Raps won. I thought, and I almost hoped that Dubis and Shanahan came out and named the Leafs captain, <laughs> just to see they, they like never, what would happen. They would never do it. I would love it though. They would never. There's no way. There's no way that they work for the same organization and I they know. would step on each other's toes. If it was different it would ownership, never, it would never the Leafs would flex their muscles you know, and say, "Oh yeah." They they would have to be because they would have to sh- try and uh, try and steal the spotlight. But under the same ownership group, and there's there's no way that ownership group would allow that to happen. They would never. They would never allow it to happen. Can we just agree, though, because I know, you know, we have some different views on this. Can we just agree that Toronto is still a hockey city? Toronto still... It's still very much, it's it's still, still very much is, Maple but Leafs I think are that... still number one, but there's a possibility that one day this could be a basketball city. It, one day. If they, don't, if they don't win a cup soon, it will be. No. Do we have enough time to talk about the parade more? Or do we have to? So what, to I'm, what I'm going to do? I don't know about you guys, but I th- I'm pretty sure my future wife's waiting upstairs because right. her phone died. I can wheel up there quick, see if she's there. Yeah. Say hey, listen, I need 15, 20 more. Yeah. You know how, you know how it works. We got to get you for 15, 20 more, Bri. You know what works. Or you, even yeah. even ten more. Me and Jordan will continue the conversation for sure. And then wheel back down. Listen, I'm going to wait two minutes. Yeah. Circle upstairs quickly. Yeah. Come back down. We'll finish the conversation off. And then, um, yeah. and then I'll be good to go. It's just I want to get into the parade because you brought it up, and yeah, and then we'll conclude on that. It's just, about ten minutes all night. It's yeah. funny, yeah. It's funny. We started off saying, "All right, let's let's keep it around 25, 30 minutes," and then you bozos start talking about how <laughs> the Raps are the number one franchise in the world. As and- <laughs> soon as Jordan asked that question, I'm like, "Oh no!" Sets me off. I love it. That's <laughs> I. I really I really took that to heart yesterday, and I was very. Um, you would oh man I don't know Listen. like like my whole Kawhi stance I'm I'm very I have a very different perspective on the raps in MLSC right now it, it was eye opening yeah it was to see it was that very, many people. it was impressive and, and Brian here here's our experience with with yesterday we went me and Jordan went uh, get down to Toronto what time did we get there ten nine nine thirty packed. University Avenue packed. Why like, wouldn't it be? The parade was supposed the, to start. At the go station packed. Like just people lined up at two a.m. in Nathan Phillips Square. Like incredible. I'm gonna wheel upstairs, but I have yeah, yeah, yeah. at least five points I want to bring up yeah, about yeah. that. So stand by. I'm gonna keep describing the the scenes of this parade. People everywhere. All right. So we get there and we realize we're not gonna have a good view at Nathan Phillips Square at the uh, sorry at the stage at Nathan Phillips Square. So we commit, I can't remember what street it was called, Jordan, but we commit to- Queen Street. We commit to Queen Street because they were supposed to come down University, make a right on Queen Street, 
And then that was the final, technically the final street they were supposed to travel on with the buses before they went into Nathan Phillips Square. How long do we wait there? Four, four or five hours? Yeah, it's a good four and a half hours. Yeah. So, like the commitment. We were not around, a, not a single person left. We were around the same people for for that for that four or five hours. People were not com- one person moved. People were committed. They stayed. Some smart ones brought food, unlike me and you. All right. Some brought water again, unlike z- me and you. Zero parade experience. Well, and that's what we're <laughs> gonna get in right, into right now. All right. So anyway, I just want to hammer home the idea of the commitment level of these people. God bless these people for standing out all day waiting for this for these floats and these buses to finally arrive because it was a long time wait the parade was supposed to arrive at nathan phillips square at what 12 31 o'clock didn't come till 3 34 3 34 o'clock right so that's one commitment level out of this world by the raptor fans we commend you i think toronto needs to learn a thing or two about throwing a parade there's no reason why it's a six-hour parade should be a thing. I was on uh, I was on Twitter today, and uh, Michael Grange uh, actually tweeted out because he heard that there was a lot of people uh, distraught about the the whole parade experience. He wanted to figure out, he wanted to get some input as to what went wrong and and why, because obviously he obviously had his uh, media credentials, but. Um, and I was going on and reading all of the, the, the thread and stuff. And it was, it was basically the same thing that we talked about, like the lack of barricades, uh, very, very low level of, uh, of police support in the area. Um, the, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of comments, uh, with fans being upset about the lack of like porta potties and water, just like all this essential stuff that would have helped. Yeah, uh, I, I was talking to coworkers today, and I said, "Thank goodness that it, the weather was mild, because if it was if it was thirty degrees out, oh yeah, even twenty five, twenty five, if it was an extra few degrees, twenty five, twenty six degrees, you'd have a lot, a lot more serious issues, uh, especially with dehydration and yeah. people passing out just from um, it's claustrophobia too, because there's just so many people, but." Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of people that were upset with the the city or MLSE with the um, the planning that went into it. Or lack some of. people, yeah, lack of planning. Some people were saying, although they didn't have much time to plan the parade, but man, they had like a week or two. Every every city, the city's got to be used to that. It's usually four days after you win a championship. I think every every sports franchise is like that, mm-hmm. or sorry, every every sport is like that. Four days after you win a title. It's usually the championship parade. Yeah. They, they should have been planning it out when they went up 3-1. No, no barricades. I don't understand. Like, Brian mentioned the Santa Claus parade, parade before. <laughs> the Santa Claus parade has barricades. Not two million people, though. How does a Leafs, or sorry, how does a Raptors parade not have barricades? That's number one. I agree with you. They lucked out big time. If it was hotter, people would have been passing out. There was no water being passed out. There was no food being passed out. Like, at, at that at that point, yeah. you're waiting six hours for a parade. You're talking about people getting a little hangry, malnourished. They lucked out. The weather could have made things a disaster for people you know, waiting and waiting, waiting for four, five to six hours. The washroom, Some people were there for 12. The, the guys, people were there were, since 7 a.m. to 5 a.m. Yeah, the washrooms were an issue. Imagine being in the middle of Nathan Phillips Square. You've, you've held that... 
position since early, early hours of the morning. You have to go to the washroom. You got to work your way back in. You're going to the washroom. It's a lineup around the corner. Like it was just, there's, there could have been some better planning to go along with this parade, but there, I, 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 there should be no reason why a parade should last six hours. Again, I don't want to complain about a parade because at least we had one. It was pretty epic. It, 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 the scenes were amazing. But I think there's if a you lot stuck of, it out, congratulations, because it was an epic parade. Yeah, it, the scenes were incredible, and I can't stress that enough. It's just the lack of planning really surprised me. And um, so we t- we talked about the parade route. Hey, Brian, while you were gone, we talked about um, you know us standing on Queen Street. And um, they actually, I don't know if you know this, Brian, we were on Queen Street, which was the last street they were supposed to approach before turning into Nathan Phillips Square. We stood there for four, four or five hours with you know, thousands of other Raptors fans. They actually changed the parade route. You're so, kidding. So from University Avenue, it never made a right down our street, down Queen, which it was supposed to. It kept going straight on University Avenue, and I think it dropped the Raptors off behind, like somewhere behind the stage. At Nathan Phillips Square, but they were supposed to come in a different way past us. So we had to run from Queen Street. Luckily, you know, me and Jordan, you know, we're quick enough. Uh, it's just us. We're not with any kids. We ran to go see the parade finish off at, on University Avenue. Hold on. I'm stopping you for a second. Yeah. I pick up a call. And and luckily we got there in time, Jordan, because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of families, a lot of uh, people with kids and strollers, they couldn't do what we did, right? Like they they, they couldn't um, they, they couldn't do what we did. They uh, and it's too bad because they committed four to six hours, being uh, you know waiting for this parade, waiting on Queen Street, and, and only not and to not see their their heroes. There was some heartbreak amongst kids because they couldn't see their. They're heroes. Sorry they're, about they're that. Star, no they're star athletes. So we, we, anyway, Brian, we got to run. We got to run and see the finishing of the parade. But a lot of kids and parents with kids and strollers did not get to do what we did. And they ended up committing four to six hours to not have the parade go by them, which I found was was, was unfortunate. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Here's the thing. if I mean, they won on, what was it, Thursday night? Yeah. So at that point, you got to think Friday morning, your your planning team, like the city, MLSC, whoever else would be involved in something like that would get together Friday and say, all right, let's plan this. Now, if they're only planning, it seemed like they only worked Friday and they partied on the weekend and, because, like you guys had mentioned, disastrous planning. So yeah. why not? What was the rush of having it Monday? Like the the, the city... Hype would still be there. Well, I think, Have it Wednesday, maybe. Well, I think what I, like I was talking to Jordan about earlier while you were gone, I think it's every four days after you win a championship. I think every team does it every every fourth day after you win. Is that like a superstition? I, or? I think that's a thing. i got to look it up. But I'm pretty sure it's every fourth day after you win that championship is usually the parade. So I'm not sure if they have to follow that timeline because it's, it's what's generally followed by other sports franchises. I'll have to look into that. In a city like Toronto, though, okay, it's it's – what fourth largest in North America? Maybe you should spend a little bit of time. Like it's Boston's used to planning parades. Yeah, St. Louis is a Mickey Mouse city anyway. No one was going to show up there, so it's easy to plan a parade versus a city like that. But Toronto, 
maybe take an extra couple of days and say, okay, you know what? Do we have, have we thought of every possible issue, every possible thing that may go wrong? And it didn't seem like they thought of a lot because there was also, there, there was no entertainment. That w- I was surprised about that. Honestly, I was like, it, you it, just expect, yeah. I don't know how many people are in Nathan Phillips Square, but let's say 10,000. You just expect, that. you just expect 10 to 20,000 people just to stand there for people were lining up the night before. Like occasionally they played some music. Yeah, that was bad. I think one time they played like a recap of the whole Raptors playoffs run, but there was no, they, they should have had bands. They should have had, you know, some more music going on to, to, to fire up the fans. They had, a, it was a lack, there was a lack of events, a lack of shows, uh, just a lack of entertainment for the people standing there for five, six hours. That was shocking. I, I at least a band. I couldn't believe it. Not even a band. And, and it just boggled my mind. And it was a, it was kind of a weird feeling because nothing was really going on. You're consistently waiting. I can't even imagine how many times they went on the on the microphone and said, they're almost here. There was, they're uh, almost again, here. I was listening all day at work. I think I turned, um, I think I turned the radio on around 9 30, 10 o'clock and you can hear what's going on in the background and whoever was working like the, um, the microphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Consistently would go up. Are you guys ready? You guys fired up Raptors 2019 mm-hmm. champions. Like, Okay, yeah, and the crowd was into it the first 150 times the guy said it. But then again, five, six hours later, like you're like, okay, you know, the hype's gone, and you're tired, you're thirsty, you're exhausted. Okay, let's just get on with it now. And you, you can almost sense that from the players as well this once is, they got on stage. This is the best part. At 1.30, they were like, all right, guys, they're almost here. <laughs> and, then we, and then you look at the Jumbotron, they're not even at the ACC yet. <laughs> or sorry, they're not even at Scotiabank Arena yet. Yeah, it was it was a missed opportunity to to put a cap on an otherwise very successful and enjoyable season for Raps fans. Yeah. And I think a lot of Raps fans still um obviously were very excited uh, about being at the parade right. for those that were there, but there's still sort of that dark cloud on it. Not shooting aside, just the way it was organized um and, and the way things sort of carried out throughout the day, I think maybe rubs a few people the wrong way. Right. Where it, the, the the main focus of that event should have been we were celebrating the raps, not wow they really screwed the pooch on this one. And I and I agree. Like it, uh, the shooting obviously puts a, a damper on everything. But to build off your point from earlier, like by the time the Raptors got there, it seemed like everyone was just tired out. Yeah, I mean, again, there's only so much partying you can do in the sun on top of a bus when. Everywhere you go for six hours, you're basically expected to just scream and show your trophy, and it, it's tiring. But you can't just wheel downstairs on the bus and have a nap. We got to remember these guys just went through a four day bender. Yeah. After winning, they yeah, had the, the, the celebration all night in Oakland. Then Drake takes him to Vegas, and you know they, you know they partied their asses off there. So that was probably their fourth day straight of partying. Yeah, these guys are probably exhausted and, probably and hungover exhausted as hell. Too, right? They're yeah. probably exhausted as well. That's yeah. another reason why I think they should have had it Wednesday, just to give these guys a couple Sometime. days to recover, yeah. maybe have a couple accident interviews, rest up. All right, now we're going to get at it with a very fresh slate. Not everyone's Brett Hall. Well, and that's what, like, some of the speeches were good. Kawhi ended up, uh, Kawhi was the best. He ended he with the, the laugh. Show. But you're right, Bri. There wasn't that, Brett Hall moment. Like, can, we, can we play that clip of Brett Hall? Go ahead. And they are the champions. 
Glory, Gloria! 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 I think I got your number! Gloria! Like, how funny is that? Oh, man, that's... We went blues! <laughs> oh, like, how... I bet you he doesn't remember a, th- a second of that. That's pretty embarrassing, man. How Not gre- embarrassing, how, it's legendary. How, it's legendary, it's but embarrassing. it's pretty embarrassing. How greased are you if you're cheering, we went blues? See, I see where he was going with that, though. That, I, tr- I, I can see in that drunken stupor state of mind he was in where he's going He thought it was that. a genius idea in that drunken state like you just said. <laughs> yeah. He actually thought but it was But to a sober that. person and to most of the people watching, it was just the most ridiculous thing that Bri- you could say getting on stage there. Brian, I 100% agree. Like when I watched it for the third time and really un- tried to understand what he was saying, it, it made ki- sense, It, ki- right? <laughs> it kind of makes sense, but it's something you would think of when you're just greased. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. It just yeah, again, when you when you sit down and think about it, you're like, yeah, okay, his reasoning, he's like there's nowhere left to go. We went. <laughs> like, yeah, totally makes sense. I'm, I'm down with that. So it's almost like, again, it felt like the Raptors' speeches were a bit rushed. Again, you can't blame them. They were on the, they were on the bus all day. They're probably tired. Uh, so were the fans. You had the whole shooting incident. But there were some good moments. I think John Tory's uh, speech was was awesome, giving Kawhi the, the keys to the city. I think Kawhi ending off with the laugh, that coming first full circle was totally appropriate. So there was their good moments as well. But, um, hey, you know, we complain about the parade, but there's – at the end of the day, we got one. So that's all. Anyway. We could go on and go on. talk about these parades and, and still sell We're going to be celebrating this all summer into next year. We couldn't, um, we couldn't squeeze it in today, but we'll have to get some Leafs on the next podcast. Oh, we could go off. About we could do a special edition Leafs edition, like in a couple days. Well, yeah. hey, could do that. Looking forward to the, you know the summer now in just a couple weeks. Big free agency. We have free agency both in the NBA and the NHL. The uh, draft awards coming are coming up. Yeah. The draft is coming up. NHL draft. We still got lots to talk about this summer. This is just this is just kicking off. Where there's always going to be something to talk to talk about on uh, purposely offside here. And we have some great guests lined up too. Great guests. We had a great interview today. Thanks again to Danielle Boyago. Awesome. Phenomenal interview. Thank you to Anthony Romanu who was with us last week. If you uh, if you missed our show airing live this past Monday, uh, we've uploaded that uh, interview specifically with Anthony Romanu uh, up on Anchor and. Uh, our socials will also have the links as well. If you want to go and listen to that phenomenal interview last week, um, you'll be able to catch uh, our interview with Danielle, um, also a part of this uh, this episode on episode uh, 10, excuse me, episode 11. 11, yeah. Uh, we've already right. gone through 11. I can't believe it. So uh, once again, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to us here in the Purposely Offside podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, we'll chat Peace. soon. Thanks, gents. Peace.